Hello and welcome back to episode 5 of the Power of Youth podcast. If you missed last week's episode, make sure you go check it out. It was on youth protest with our special guests, Davey and Viv. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the impact of social media on youth, a bit of our change from our normal political discussions. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. Today, to start with, let's just have some sort of idea about social media and its current uh, impact in the world. Yeah, a study found um, in 2016 to 2017 that the highest proportion of internet users in Australia, 98%, were people aged 15 to 17. And 91% of 15 to 19 year olds use social media, spending up to 18 hours a week online. We actually did some math and if you spend five hours a day on social media, that's 76 days a year that you're on your phone on social media. That's 20% of your year spent on your phone. Yeah, that's that's insane. And that's not even a crazy mark, five, four or five hours a day. Oh, yeah. You know, you have an hour in the morning, an hour at night, two hours across the day. For some people, especially in holiday period, that could be looking at more like six, yeah. seven hours. That's an insane amount when you think about the amount of time it's taking and it's normal. It's not an abnormal thing to spend more than five hours a day on your phone. It's just part of our lives now. Like, our generation is the first generation to have such a reliance on our devices. We're, we're the guinea pigs. Yeah. No other generation has spent so much time on a certain device. So, we're, we're new to everything. Yeah. And I think we might just have to come to terms with that as a generation that we are we will get better at it in the future. Mm. We'll get better at restricting the way we use it, figuring out healthy habits around social media. But as Alina said, we are the, the I guess, the exper- us and the generation below us, particularly, like we, at least some people our age of our generation who are saying, you know, becoming adults, have a small period of time in our lives where social media was was nowhere near as big as it was. Like, you know, when we were, say, early years of primary school, really early, we have, we had, a we, 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 we yeah, had a right. very small period of our childhood where, you know, we were basically almost still living in the late nineties, but yeah, um, up until the up, 2010s, up, really. up until really the 2010s. And when say, I guess a good marker you can put down is pretty much when the iPhone and Facebook yeah, were, were, came out, which was sort of roughly around the same time. Whereas the younger people of our generation and the generation below us only have what only know the world dominated by social media. So I guess we're going to have to come to terms with the fact that we are the experimental, we're we're the ones trialing it and we're the ones who need to figure out how to get it right. It's not, it's, I don't think it's the responsibility of older generations to figure out how to get it right. Yes, they invented it, but most of them have massive parts of their lives without any of it. So they, it's, it's hard, it's easier for them to function without it. Whereas for us, it's become such a massive part, especially for us, our teen years are just dominated by social media. So yeah, it's up to us to really get those healthy habits figured out. I think. Yeah. I think we were born in like the perfect time, in my opinion, because I had a childhood without social media and devices, although there was like computers integrated into it, but my life wasn't solely revolved around devices. Like I watched TV, but I also spent so much time outside with my brothers. We played a lot, but now like I see kids in the supermarkets with just iPads and they're like two years old. I don't know if that's going to, 
Oh, people yeah. just use devices to shut their kids up and just give them something to do. And I don't think that's healthy. Yeah. And so I have my youngest cousin, who's a good seven years younger than me. He never goes out. Th- I, he's not, I don't think he's a great representation of kids, all kids these days. Cause I still think there's a reasonable amount, you know, most kids still love their sport and whatnot. And will go mm-hmm. out and join a weekend team. But I've noticed that his life is completely dominated by not just social media, but by that technology in general. And I guess you could say social media in a way because he loves playing online games and socialising online. And he he spends a lot of his time doing that. And it's a really odd thing to me because he's still technically part of our generation. But I see it. I'm like, wow, I don't actually really remember my childhood being like that. Because I remember with us, the first ever you know, piece of technology I had really strong interactions with was, I think we got like Lego Star Wars or something on the computer. And mm-hmm. my mum and dad were like, no, you can only play it on these nights and whatnot. And yeah. But it's, it's such an addictive thing, something new. I remember the first real technology I got given was a DS, coolest thing ever, played Pokemon and Mario Kart my entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was this huge thing to be able to get this piece of technology, something where you can play games on and I could play with my cousins and it was such a cool thing and my favourite thing about going to my cousin's house is they had a Wii so I could play tennis Mm. on the Wii and that was just awesome, you know, I was so excited to go and it was this addictive thing about it and we've seen over the last 10 years that more and more have been created, you know, you had the rise of Facebook and then Instagram and Snapchat and now you've got other platforms, you had Musical.ly, now you've got TikTok, mm. and it's these different things that they, they just suck you in and they addict you. And that's where a lot of these issues are now coming from, this sense of, of addiction with people. And I think the hardest thing about it is that it's such a requirement in society now to be on social media. Mm. Yeah, Everything is done through there. That's how all the communication is happening. For anyone listening to this podcast now, you probably have come here because of some sort of social media platform. You know, that's just how it works. So that's why it's hard. Yeah, well, with the rise of technology, like you said, DS games and Wii, those things could be shut off. You'd play for an hour or two and you're like, I've had enough now, I'll shut that off. But with our phones, they're just they're on us 24-7. Social media is a 24-7 running yeah. enterprise. It never stops. So you never really get a break from it. You can't shut it off. People cannot shut it off because they're addicted to it and they don't want to miss anything because they've got FOMO. Well, yeah, they've got that absolute opportunity. Well, they've the fact that social media is on on your phone and these days your phone is your ultimate is just you can't really function. It's, hand, it's your partner. It's, hand, it's your partner. It's like it's, it's the ultimate. It's your ultimate toolkit. Yeah, it you've is. got you. You've got what you can do. Your banking on your phone. You can. Use your social media, stay in contact with people on your do phone, work on your do phone. work on your phone, research on your phone, listen to music, watch movies, play games. It's the ultimate little sort of, I guess, a little piece of just, it's a toolbox. Yeah, and, and it's, it's at the point now where you don't need to carry anything else. You can have your bank card on there, well, yeah. your Opal card, that's what we use in New South Wales for transport. Um, you can now have your driver's license or your ID. That's all you need. Well, what we're doing right now, we're timing this podcast on a phone yeah. we don't need it using the stop we don't need it and yeah. the fact that then social media has gone oh that's a great place to be has then again made it such a, a such an ever-present omniscient sort of shadow over this society and there's no one doing it like i think some people who have these fantasies of oh it's just it's a it's still a fad it's all gonna go away 
whilst the individual platforms might disappear, whilst, you know, MySpace has disappeared, Facebook is becoming less and less popular, less and less people are choosing, you know, more Instagram and Snapchat mm. over Facebook, whilst the actual um, platforms might change, social media will, uh, will not, is not going to go away. It's here to stay. Yeah, so I think... If we look at the positive aspects first of social media, I think that sense of communication and keeping up to date is a real positive of social media. You know, you've got communication all around the world, which just wouldn't have been possible before. You've got the easy sending of messages. You've now got FaceTime and voice calls with people instantly without any cost. It's such a useful tool for that purpose. Yeah. And it's also like it's created a community platform for the sharing of experiences and human experiences bring people together so people can learn and connect to online communities, <laughs> especially um, if you are part of a small community who needs to feel connection with other people like you, you can join groups and stuff. And also another thing with social media, it can connect workplaces. I know my work has a Facebook group and that's how we communicate mm. about certain things. So it's really helpful to organize events and and talk to people who may not be in connection otherwise. Yeah, and you know, a really popular social media platform that I think a lot of people just seem to overlook is WhatsApp. The amount of like, you know, yeah, I'm, the amount of like chats I now have on that on that app. I have one for like when I went on a Europe trip with school. I have one with my family. I think I have an old one from a soccer team. They've become really incredibly useful tools. Whilst we survived centuries without it, it's just one of those things that has come along and made things easier. And I think there's there's no issue with making life easier, in my opinion. Some people, you know, you hear some people complain about, oh, it, it was so much harder back in my day and I'm tougher and I'm a better person for it. I say to that, well, that's nice, but... So, it's better now. <laughs> like well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just not the same. You it's can't just not the same. You can't, it's not the same. You can't compare. Exactly. Like, just something has been made easier. And why should we be complaining about that? Why should we be complaining that something that makes life a bit, just a bit easier, a bit smoother to get through? I have no issue with that. Yeah, I, I think something that I really value about it as well is that building of connections and the opportunities that then come from that to be able to speak to people who you would never have spoken to before. I see even in my own experience with my own writing, to be able to talk to people from different cultures and different areas and get their perspective. It's something that's impossible to find through mainstream media, which is so centralized and focused on certain stories mm. that social media is so much wider and you get a broader range of ideas and opinions, which I find especially valuable. And I think also just in terms of employment as well, you've got yeah. uh, platforms such as LinkedIn, which is such a huge way that people uh, find jobs. Yeah, employers now look to be able to build your own portfolio and, and build connections as well. It's just invaluable in that way and couldn't have been yeah, done both, before. Both my parents, who are would be considered probably professionals, um, are on LinkedIn. And, like, you know, you could pretty, you could probably Google most of your school teachers. And the first thing that will come up is their LinkedIn profile. And I think, yeah, that's also a useful tool. Yeah, especially with people you've lost contact with, just like school friends and stuff. Mm. If back like 20 years ago, if you didn't know their number, 
you would never see them again. But now you just need their name and you can get into contact with them easily through all different social media platforms. So it allows you to stay connected to people that you yeah. don't necessarily know their number. You're not close enough to know their number, but you're still friends. Yeah. And going back on something Simeon said about, you know, with his writing, you know, I've was on Instagram probably about two weeks ago talking to some guy from Portugal about our favorite Radiohead albums or something because you know we ju- I just happened to comment something on an Instagram page for music and he responded and then we just started talking in each other's messages and it was a great conversation and yeah. I would never have known yeah I think it's a I thought that was like a beautiful thing I was like I'm just talking to some dude in Portugal about something we share in common we live on polar opposite ends of the globe in pretty different cultures we don't even share the same first language but because of social media we were brought together and we could have that conversation and we had something in common yeah i think that really demonstrates the positive psychological impact which which aren't talked about that building of connections is is positive to be able to talk to people and to have humans are social creatures yeah and to be able to have those positive interactions you know when there's been times that i've written about things about australia that has been more disappointing and some of the sad things that are happening like the bushfire season which is still ravaging many communities to then be able to hear from people in america people in europe and hear their comments that's also very reassuring and reaffirming to me in in my in my state as well so i think those psychological impacts are hugely beneficial especially family which is such uh an important part of every person's life to be able to talk to them even if they've uh, gone away or in a different country that's also essential in that. Mm. Yeah, and we're at a point in society where everything is so technologically advanced. If you don't have social media or a device, you will be left behind. You won't be able to function in our society yeah. without conforming to it. In you'll never, so you'll never be able to like run a small business if you don't have. Yeah. If 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 you if your business even refuses refuses to get like even the vaguest social media presence, you know, good luck anyone finding you because no one's going to check on like the yellow pages anymore. That's that's (laughs) true. The yellow pages are extinct now. No one goes there. (laughs) So I think then we need to look at some of the negative issues because there's a lot and a lot is publicized about it and how we can try to counteract them or come up with different solutions I think the, the main thing about social media, and a BBC News report found this as well, is that social media led to isolation. And this social isolation is huge in having different physical, emotional, mental, and psychological issues in youth. Mm. I think that's a big thing as well. Like, you, As much as we can talk about how you can make a connection with someone overseas... I feel, I know, I don't know much about human psychology, but talking from personal experience, I will always be much, much closer with someone who's in my immediate vicinity that I have easy access to, that I can, you know, go to their house, they can come to my house, we can go out and go to the movies or something. I will always end up being closer to that person. And I have recognized that and I've, so say my I don't have a very strong presence on social media. I'm pretty selective about who I'm friends with. Um, I don't bother posting or anything because in my mind I don't find those connections on social media to be fulfilling, any fulfilling and not as important. 
because I feel like someone who their entire who make base their entire friendship group if say if they're just their entire friendship group is just someone online I think they're missing out on that really core human element of the need for a physical interaction and the need to have that person in front of you and that can that more it does I think there's proof of that really does make people quite lonely and makes them feel dis- it disconnects them from their real world so when they are existing in day to day they don't they don't feel connected but when they go onto their phone and then they start and that's where they feel connected and I think that's a really dangerous sort of role reversal in yeah. a way because um, human interaction, face-to-face interaction is so important to build social skills and to create empathy and compassion to learn those skills, which are so important in day-to-day life. And when you're on a screen texting, you just can't, you can't create those skills. You have to do them you can't face-to-face. Read, you can't read the other person. If, exactly. And people, people just misconstrue things and different things can be taken out of context. And that's not very helpful. Yeah, I think it also depends on the goal of that, let's call them influencer of on, on social media, because it can be it can change, you know, if that influencer is just trying to gain money, then I think they find themselves in a hole really fast of where they're trying to show off themselves and their own things and their pursuit for money, but really what that um, does is just kind of extend their lonely nature and lonely state. And then you've got kind of other influencers who are just aiming to kind of build their brand and grow grow their following. And I think that also depends on, on what their goal is as to the impact it can have on someone. Well, yeah, I think, you know, say look at the maybe the difference between, say, an influencer who's promoting their business and, you know, they're trying to build up a small business or trying to promote an online brand versus, say, a really big influence, say, like the um, Logan and Jake Paul, those brothers... I wouldn't be surprised if those two are incredibly lonely individuals because they've then based their entire lives and their entire worth on their social media presence and, you know, just what Simeon said, just showing themselves off and they've made their life into sort of one big performance. I can't imagine that's good for them at all. I would dare say that they are lonely probably quite depressed people and it's a really dangerous it's a really dangerous world place to go to for that and social media i think can really if not if used unhealthily like that will amplify those problems significantly because it can really get into a dangerous place where you just make comparisons with everyone you see online and even though subconsciously you know that it's a curated version of their life it's the best part of their life Sometimes it's even fake. You still compare yourself and your life and your friends and your family and the stuff you have in your car and your house to them, even though you know it's not real. And that can have a damaging effect on your self-worth as well. Yeah. And there's this new rise of social media, which is this sense of your one winner of fame, you know, doing these one-off things to try and get your all these views and all this attention and then it kind of all dies away. Mm. And I think that also has a really significant impact when you have such a, um intense attraction towards you for a short period of time and then that all fades away. Mm. You know, you start to get used to that as well. You start to get used to the attention. And, you know, the, the fastest growing social media platform at the moment is, is TikTok and it's 
um, different videos and you even see with with um, creators on there that they get all this fame but it's not what they feel like it should be just because of all the other hate that can occur because a lot of the times it's anonymous. There's nothing you can do about it. So a lot of that hate then attracts from the, from the yeah, attention. Yeah, well, like a platform like TikTok is almost literally a one minute of fame. The videos yep. are super short. Five seconds of fame, you know. Five, yeah. five seconds of fame. Your, your video might go viral and you might get two million people who watch it. But next week, tomorrow even, there's going to be another two million viewed video and your yesterday's news. Yeah. And yeah. that's a really that's a really dangerous thing you can do to a person of building them up. It's like, oh wow, look at this. All these people really like me, find me funny, I'm really interesting. Next minute, oh it's all gone. I'm I'm no I'm nobody again. Yeah, I'm, I think with hate comments, it's a tricky one because you just want to say to the person, oh just don't read them. They don't mean anything. But I think over time when they consistently keep on coming up it's got to start affecting you, but I don't know if I can see a quick solution to say, oh, we're just going to stop hate comments. Yeah, and because if if someone gave me a thousand nice comments and one not nice comment, I'm going to focus on that one. Yeah. I'm not going to think about all the lovely things people have said about me. I'm going to focus on that and like question myself, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve that? It's, we're just wired that way to focus on the negative things rather than positive. It's like when you get a grade at school, you know, you might get a really great grade, but the thing that's going to bug you most and stay in your mind most about it is what was the few things that were holding me back exactly. from an A or a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also want to look at cyberbullying quickly. Cause I think that's also obviously a new idea. And in schools, it's definitely a large, a large issue that's going to keep on getting worse and we need to find some way to control it. I think education is important and I think it's definitely worked in my schooling, but I don't know if it's I've, the one thing which can solve it all. It's it's one thing to tell someone, just don't cyber bully, it's mean. But when you're online and there's no... Com- you're, you all, all that is in front of you is that screen, there is no consequence... F- for what you do, if you decide to start harassing someone online, the teacher's not going to come rushing into your bedroom going, what are you doing? You're in big trouble. You're going to just be in your bedroom and you'll be fine. That person might not even know who you are. And then I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, but there's a real difficulty with then schools and how to deal with cyberbullying because they can't exactly, unless it happens on campus, they can't exactly expel a student for harassing another one at home because it's out of it's out of their jurisdiction. That yeah. was something that was going on outside of school. It's really hard for parents also to monitor it because of privacy. You don't want your parents going through your phone. So a lot of times cyberbullying goes unchecked on both ends of the perpetrator and the victim. So it's really hard to find the solution because there really is no one solution because it's so hard to track down. Yeah, even platforms have anonymous places where you can just speak however you you want to and there's nothing that relates that back to you as a person ask and, and identity. Well, yeah, yeah ask, ask fm, ask, ask FM was, was one of the worst things i've ever seen it's sh- shocking and you even got pretty much just ask fm on snapchat as well through i don't, I don't know what it's called but what does yolo come to head come to my mind um it's one of the, yeah those like yeah those stupid things. yellow thing where you swipe up and you can yeah, type whatever you want yeah. Um, 
anonymously, and it's it's dangerous. You know, you had you had people who lost their lives and took their own lives because of RCFM because of what someone anonymously said about them. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of lost to to think of ways to stop it because even the most innocuous comments can have some of the worst impacts. Well, yeah, and so true. It's I'm a bit pessimistic about it as well. I think it's just something that you're just going to have to re- appeal to people's good nature just to not do it. I don't think that there's a it's really difficult when it comes to restricting it because then that's a whole that's big issues about freedom of speech and what you could say and then I also think that that does give social media platforms far too much like they Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, what whatnot, they have the potential to become some of the most powerful. They are the mo- some of the most powerful forces globally. They, if Mark Zuckerberg decided that I hate democracy, I want democracy to disappear, and then started pushing that through Facebook and Instagram, it would happen. It would it probably would, happen because would, he's there'd be backlash. He's got, but it he's, would got he's got the world in his hands, so. It, it, when it comes to cyberbullying and how Facebook or Instagram polices that, you they might be big national companies, but they're only one perspective and they're only one country. And, you know, looking back to our podcast a while back about religious freedoms and freedom of speech, you know, who really, who does get to decide what's acceptable and what's not acceptable? Who, how, how do I know that a comment I make on social media and then, you know, someone just happens to stumble across it and it really hurts them. Like that's incredibly difficult. That's incredibly difficult to try and decipher as yeah. an individual. Everyone's threshold for offense is so different. What one person might find offensive, another person might not. So it's really hard to draw the line between harassment or cyberbullying and just freedom of speech, like we were talking about. But yeah, it's really hard to police because it it's just a really impossible topic where you don't want to. Um, like, it's a privacy issue, too. Like, you don't want to be tracking, like, IP addresses to people's personal devices. You don't want pe- your parents to be monitoring your social media use. But what other way are we going to be able to stop it? So there's mm. really... it's Yeah, like you said, we just need to appeal to people people's to not nature, yeah. bully people online. Yeah, the only idea that I can think of, which I've seen being being effective in certain places is this idea of disabling the comments. I think the, the comments hold the most power regarding social media posts and social media action. And I've seen it in different platforms, certain YouTube creators, um, certain Instagram people, even on TikTok as well, to be able to disable the comments. And it kind of takes away that power from, let's call them the bully, or takes away that power from the person who was going to say something mean and they just can't do it. And I don't see what the big advantage of the comments are anyway. Exactly. Why not? Why don't we just get rid of the comments altogether? I think some people might argue that then that allows people to um, then build themselves like a little, their little bubble and that it doesn't, you know, it's not the real world if they don't get any negative feedback. But I would, a lot of these people will, will still have, you know, a life beyond social media. Will they learn lessons of how, in like, you know, there will be experiences that make them a tougher and a better person. 
Um, but off what Simeon said, a, love, a thing I love doing is when I say go into like a news, like the ABC News' YouTube channel or BBC News' YouTube channel, I love seeing which ones have disabled the comments and which and that haven't. And then I, al- I always scroll through the ones that haven't disabled comments mm. and they are horrendous. Like you have some really nasty, people nasty, extreme people with harboring extremist views about the world. Like I remember, I watched the BBC News's report on the um, terrorist attack on the mosque in Christchurch, and they don't disable their comments. And there was some people going on about how oh, this is the best thing in the world that ever happened. And it was that moment that it clicked with me. It's like. Well, maybe that's why ABC News, CNN News, all those other publications don't have their comments on because they don't want what Simeon said, that really nasty stuff coming through because it's not helpful and having comments on anyway doesn't necessarily benefit the user as well. Yeah, yeah. there's there's, there's nothing productive about it that way. Mm. Well, it's the same kind of thing as getting rid of likes. When, When Instagram got rid of their likes, there was massive backlash. Because people were losing money, influencers couldn't get traction for um, business deals and stuff. And it's really hard with likes because it's it's really problematic to base your self-worth on the number of likes you have or the number of followers you have. Because as human beings, we are wired to seek validation and appreciation. And so we have an innate desire to be seen. And because of social media, there are thousands and thousands of people who are able to see us. There's such a wider audience that we can be seen by. And, sorry, a small study of teens aged 13 to 18 from the UCLA Brain Mapping Center found that receiving a high number of likes on photos showed increased activity in the reward center of the brain. And further to that, teens are influenced Mm. to like photos regardless of content based on the number of likes they have. Yeah. And I've been guilty of that too. Yeah, like scrolling through one. TikTok especially, if it has 2 million likes, I'll give it a like. If it has like 300, I might just scroll past yeah, it. Yeah, or just, just not even look at it. Yeah. Uh, I've, for my social media usage, the only time I'll ever like anything is if I've, say, been tagged in a photo and I just want to say, oh yeah, I've seen you tag me in that photo. Yeah. I acknowledge it. Um, that's the only time I'll ever be compelled to like anything. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do that because I find a, a big problem in general with just placing like a, say a monetary value on how popular you are. Like I, I just find that such an unhealthy way to live that you are earning money because you are popular, not necessarily because you're not even necessarily because you're a well-liked person. It's just that you've managed to convince a lot of people to be jealous of you You've and view con- your content and view your content. I just find that a really, I find that incredibly shallow, a, a really yeah, a shallow way to make a living for me. Yeah. Like I totally agreed with Instagram and Facebook's option to get rid of likes. I think it's a great um, incentive and a great initiative to start some sort of change. And they obviously had acknowledged it and then, took up on lots of the proposals made. And, and I do think it's great. I think it also puts into question what's the role of influencers on social media. You know, some of them are really... You've got to ask the question, like, why? Yeah. But <laughs> for others, they're even making more money not from their social media, but from the other things that that enables them to do. So you've got some making cookbooks, some doing 
uh, like making their own gym programs, yeah. doing doing the other things. And I'm and I'm not opposed to that if if that's your no, incentive. Neither am I. But I think there's some, and we get into a really um, interesting topic, which is never talked about, which is this idea of sexually explicit and pornographic content on social media, which is which is serious. You know, you've got people young as as young as ten, eleven, twelve on social media. Younger. Yeah, younger, younger than that. And um, being and being presented with these things on a, on a daily basis, yeah, like soft pornography, quite regularly. I think I do believe that you know people should. I don't object to that massively. I think people just really do in this country, especially, do have the freedom to express their sexuality in whatever way. Though it's it's a difficult it's a difficult one for me because yeah, I don't think. People should be ashamed of their sexuality, but it. My problem with it is that it tends to attract quite nasty people. Mm-hmm. Like you'll go through a lot of, say, like a really attractive model who maybe has what a hundred k followers on Instagram. Go through most of their followers; they're going to be really creepy, weird dudes. And I, I that just make that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all good with you know wanting to. Pres- present your body image and be um, all about self, self-love self and kind of saying, you know, I'm proud of who I am and I want to put it out here. And for those messages, it's fine. It's for the other ones that, you know, are, t- are intentionally doing something because they know that it attracts attention. Mm. And I think it has to, like, this is, it's never talked about on the media ever. They they will never talk about the impact that this is having on youth, but it's it's real and it has to be addressed in some form to, to be able to provide more education, which is real. Like, I think a lot of the education people have at school is, you know, a bit on the surface. Oh, you know, don't look at this, don't look at that. Oh, it's not good for you. But not really going deep into the actual impacts that it can have on you. Mm. Because, yeah, it, it can, like say, being exposed to that kind of soft pornography quite regularly will then tempt people to go seek out the more extremes and there is nothing good for the brain about pornography it's very it's incredibly addictive it is has very misconstrued representations of sexuality anyway so yeah it's a da- I, I would agree with you. I mean it's a dangerous thing that needs to be addressed of well whilst people should be freely allowed to you know express themselves on these platforms and be positive with who they are at what point is it just there to be you know sexually provocative to the point where it's almost you know it's almost obscene and you're exposing it because you know that it's just going to get you attention you don't it it doesn't have any sort of it it doesn't have any sort of value on it beyond a sexual one and maybe a financial one Mm. And yep. the other side of that too is people who don't look like these people viewing mm. these photos and it can create a really bad body image for them and they can have body image issues. It can lead to anxiety, depression, and just overall unhappiness viewing these kind of things and just all social media in general, not just these sexually explicit photos, but photos of everyone doing everyday things and like fake, fake photos of people people's filtered lives and things can cause these kind of um, problems, mental health problems. Mm. 
Um, yeah, it's a, a, and then a really interesting thing for me is that, like Alana said, you get these, like you know, all these very skinny, attractive people, you know, doing what they do, and then there's and then it can create a really poor body image of people who don't have it. But then I've always noticed extreme amounts of backlash against, say, someone who might be overweight and posts, you know, a photo of them scantily clad. Uh, then and then people go on about, oh, how that's unhealthy, and you know, you're you're just you're saying that you know you you should be okay in your body, but then you're promoting obesity. I think that's a really just that's a re- that's the wrong way of going about about it. Health is more than just about how you physically. Uh, that's one aspect we've all started to realize especially this sort of century that oh you know your, your your mental health can have equal amounts of impact on you know your quality of life and your physical health so yes this person might not be the most physically healthy individual but the fact that they're promoting that oh i'm i'm at least comfortable in my body and promoting positive mental health I think is something that people have just simply chosen to ignore and have focused on the negative which is probably which is another bad thing about social media in my opinion it's people love to focus on the negative on it like the amount of just negativity for no particular reason other than to be negative is it really baffles me yeah anything bad that happens that's what's publicized Mm. Not, not the good things and I think one part of social media which I've loved last year in 2019 was the Team Trees campaign. It was run by a YouTuber who raised $20 million, uh, which directly uh, uh, related to 20 million trees being planted. Hmm. And that was just one That's good. aspect of the community coming coming together to, to support a cause. Not much mainstream media on that, I can, no, I I can could, assure you. I was, there was never anything but, you know, someone but like a teen who committed suicide because they were harassed on social media will get, as bad as that is, will get endless publication for maybe a month and there will be this stuff about, oh, how good is social media, how bad is social media and whatnot. Yeah, and I think it's, it's just out, outdated, you know, now that, that that perspective is outdated and slowly people are starting to say, be quiet, it's time to... It's time to live with the reality. Yeah, time to accept social media and then move onwards with it. And I think that's a good way to close um, this this topic on social media is about how can we then improve, how can we do better. And I think just a couple of things, just from reading different perspectives. One, just turning off notifications at different times. You know, that buzz or that alarm is such a addictive sound often that yeah. people just want to look at it straight away. Another one was putting your phone in do not disturb at night. Just another way to have some peace and quiet from it. Yeah, yeah, because another issue with social media is the amount of time people use on it. And I'm guilty of it too. Before I go to bed, I have a scroll on social media. Yeah, we all are. And we all do, that yeah. light from our mobile devices, all devices, just like inches from our face is really harmful for our sleep cycle because yeah, it can suppress the release it's, it's of melatonin. Stim- it, yeah, it stimulates your brain. Yeah. So that's also, and also with mental health is lack of sleep. Like our generation has a real lack of sleep problem. We stay up late, early into the early hours of the morning for some unknown reason. And the lack of sleep is really harmful to our development because when we are in sleep, that is when our body grows and and develops brains and 
really consolidates our neural pathways. So it's actually really helpful to have a good night's sleep. Mm. And with social media, because we're awake all the time, we're stimulated all the time, it's really hard for us to wind down and get to sleep at a proper time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think to, to take away, we definitely need to acknowledge social media that it's here to stay, it's growing, and it's going to be here. It's about how do we manage it? How do we ensure that the health of youth, particularly who are using it mostly, is, is protected and that what's portrayed on there is positive for society. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you very much for joining us for episode five of the Power of Youth podcast. We hope you enjoyed and let us know your thoughts in the comments down below or through any of our social media. Uh, we'll see you next week where we will be discussing foreign aid. Bye.